that's one of the one of the many reasons why uh, Prince appeals to me and inspires me as a as a creative being because he had that energy and that confidence to live in the moment and let the moment take him wherever it would. And I guess with me, my neurotic thing is focusing too much on the past and too much on the future to where it ties me up in knots. And, you know, with people like Prince, like you say, focusing on the the moment, you know, the present and what it gives you, that's one of the many things I learned from him and also from other people as well. Yeah, I think that he, you know, there's a theory of thought about when you can self, self-protect or to self-console. Uh, and even right. though he had his lonely moments, I believe that he knew, he found, he tried to find ways to, of comfort. And I think the healing or working things out, the go-to place was going to be his music to work stuff out. But I I find that sometimes we like to hold people to a suspension in time um, as if, he never evolved from one thought process to the other because sometimes he could role play as well and work out a scenario as another player or, or it wasn't always coming from the first person. Um, and that was the beauty about his art. And that's why I think people kind of understood that was, did it mean he was always, a, you know, going to believe in a certain thing he said in 1985? No. Why would anybody hold me to the letters I wrote somebody 30 years ago? Why would you hold me to that? You know? Right. Right. But I think because he was a man of so few words, the one takeaway with him is that you could say that those words were diamonds. They were valuable. And they weren't just frivolous. They were thought out when he said it, even if he was pissed off at you. I mean, they were where they were. I mean, sometimes he had business conversations with people, and some people have gone on to quote, well, he said this, and, and but, you know, how would you feel? You're in a business conversation. What you tell people in your business all the time, you're not telling your private internal people. There's strategies involved in things. So sometimes when you hear the if, ands, whys, or the maybe, just know that, you know, how would you, how have you handled a situation? And maybe you said something to appease a person in one moment or to get a reaction or to get a result. Um, with all of these books coming out, the only thing that kind of stands out in my head is how interestingly how he was the man that everybody stood around observing and tried to fill in the gaps even when they were sitting there next to him. I wonder what he's thinking. Why did he do that? What, you know, Prince had multiple lives going at the same time that are people that he kept very private. And it's more, that's what's more interesting. It's the, the ones that you didn't hear about.
Right. I was just thinking, what are your thoughts on, you know, the whole the whole situation with the will? I mean, do you think Prince is it out of character for Prince to? Did he live so much in the moment that he didn't care about a will? Do you think or? It's possible. I mean, I, as I said, I hadn't been around him. I don't know what a gift it is to give anybody, to will a tremendous amount of money to anybody. I don't know if that's a gift or a, or a curse, um, right. especially dealing with the scope of what everybody has to deal with. I think I, I am of the school of thought that there's a karmic uh, a family karma that plays out right. in in these lifetimes, regard it, right. you know, regardless of how we feel everybody was interacting. I think there's karmic laws and rules that play in this. Um, I've never really known him to, you know. I, I think that would have been talking about those kind of things may have been a, made him a little bit queasy and uneasy. I mean, he didn't like to go to a doctor, so imagine going and talking about your will. I mean, I don't right. like doing that. And many, many, right. many people do not uh, do that. We avoid it. Um, uh, because, you know, you're dealing with your own mortality, and that's a big, a big thing. So maybe he didn't want to deal with it. Maybe he right. was just like, let it be. And if, if I'm going, if I would say, oh, because of the Jehovah's Witness faith, the concept is that material things mean nothing. I mean, right. many people have had different things where they've said that Prince was cheap or he was a certain way um, financially or different things, and he fought for all of his masters, and I get it. But you see, I right. never had, I never saw him as being a cheap person ever. I never witnessed it, and I never experienced it. So I can't speak on what those other people's experiences. It wasn't mine. Um, right. I would say that he, um, if he had an issue, it was, for me, it, there was a principle. He was a more, I'm going to argue about this because of the principle about it. You know, right. you couldn't pull the wool over his eyes if you, he he would argue on the principle, not over just the pettiness. It would be the principle. And right. so when people would say, you know, we tried to write songs and then he rejected it or whatever, and even I've said that, like, oh, I tried to do my second album, there is a reality here that it was his label and, you know, we held Prince at a different standard because we were quote-unquote, his close friends. I think once he got rid of that structure and just started having people there for and making them accountable for their own thing, they were on the payroll, I think he got rid of that obligation and that feeling. It was, you know, the fa new kind of family he created was a little more not as, close as the ones that we had at the very beginning. I'm not saying they weren't close, but I don't think he felt the same obligations as he did to all of us coming up. And then everybody has to remember he was 20-something years old, and he was the patriarch 
of this organization. And that's a really weird role in anybody's life with a group of friends when it switches like that. Barry Gordy went through it. Um, Different people, I'm sure, uh, L.A. Reid, all of these people went through these, and I guess to reference these people, but it sounds crazy, but the roles start to change, and then there are personal things involved. But, yeah, like I said, I, I, I don't know if that answers your question. With the will, I don't know. I think having a will, he might have been more paranoid that somebody would try to hurt him, you know. Yeah. And that I do know. I mean, he used to say things like, you're going to write a book about me. And I was soon he would say it to everybody. You're going to write a book. You're going to write a book. And I was like, you need to stop that because you're basically asking people to write a book about you. What are you, you right. know, and he'd laugh. And then I was like, you're, well, also, he wasn't that famous when he was saying this. And I was like, who are you? Write a book. Right. <laughs> like, you right. know. So, but, right. you know, and that goes back into my thinking of if or when I ever do write something, and I've been more compelled to do something lately only because I think the narrative um, changes, and, and I don't want, I don't care if no one reads it until, like, 3,050. The whole point is that the narrative cannot just be what it's becoming. He's not Pablum. He wasn't milk toast. He wasn't this gentrified, generic dude. And he wasn't some sex fiend. And he wasn't all of these. But he was a really well-rounded, adjusted maverick. And mavericks are not just like every average guy. And if anything... Hopefully, he'll still be, inspire people to go out and live their bliss, you know. Sadly, when living your bliss sometimes means leaving other people that you do care about, you sometimes have to leave people behind. Right. It's a lonely road. Right. Well, the, the, main, reason, the main reason I asked your, th- your thoughts about a will was because as a fan, as a fan of the music, I'm wor- I'm, I see all this probate uh, play itself out, or more accurately, pretty much uh, not play itself out. You know, nothing, nothing much is happening. It's all tied up in lawyers and legal fees and all this. And I'm, I'm just worried that we as fans, the fan base, won't be able to hear the music because we'll be either too old or already passed on before we can... Well, I think the reason, this is the other reason, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to identify any sources, but he was a pretty prolific person. Um, There's so much content that in all truth, people probably won't live their lifetimes in order to hear it all. That That is actually a very valid point and right. true. Um, that's just the way it is, you know. The only thing that people can try to do as fans is to still be vocal because I do think that the people, powers that be, they are listening to you. Uh, when it makes, when it's not completely, you know, 
crazy. These are some of these top, you know, the things that request. You know, technology is advancing. We don't know what will happen in the next couple of years of something that could help to expedite this process. I don't think that anybody wants to keep his music away from anyone. I just believe there is such a huge plethora, an amount of music that you, I don't even know if there's the manpower to really dive in. You know, and all I have to say is to fans, keat healthy, <laughs> eat right, eat your greens, eat a plant-based diet so you can maybe, you know, hear, it, hear most of it. But I do believe that even the people working on it now may not even – there will be others that have to come along. So you have to be concerned about those things being in place um, to handle it when the people who are here now will no longer be to manage it. And then right. leads to the point where Prince even himself said, what am I going to do about it when I'm not here? It would be the same with his fans, you know. He'll always have fans, but the best thing I think fans can do is to continue to lay the groundwork for his legacy and to keep figuring out ways that are productive and, uh, you know, hell, if you hear of new technologies or different things that could help or create something. You know, I've, I've often thought, like, guys, you guys have so many different types of people, talented people, working in great branches of, of, of you know, across the boardrooms, to creativity and arts and whatever, science. Come up with something. You know, find other outlets and try to, you know, maybe something will happen that way. You never know. Um, but, well, I, yeah, I think that there's just so much information that I don't know. I, they probably have to hire a factory in China to go through. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, really, yeah. when you think about yeah. how much, it, people don't seem to understand just how prolific he was. And, and we're, we're really, I'm being really honest. There, I don't think, and I've heard it from very successful super successful people who know about the content and they are professionals and they've never seen anything like it. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, certainly, certainly I know we're not going to hear everything, but and I know it's been a relatively short period of time since, since Prince has passed, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's coming up on two years, not even two years yet. But uh, you know, I just I just sort of worry about my own my own mortality and, and how much am I going to be able to hear. But I guess that's more of a selfish question that I that I should be asking probably. But um, you know, I just I you know knowing that there's so much so much music and so much content, you know, it's like, geez, I would love to hear, you know at least a portion of it, and hopefully I'll be, like you say, I'll be alive and well in, in 30-odd years to to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not joking. I mean, really. Yeah. Mozart never wrote as many songs in a day as Prince could. Right. I mean, you know, maybe he did, but he couldn't record them. But I'm saying this is something that the average musician 
just didn't do and they don't do. Right. This was his life. Right. Right. He was he was quite literally music and I I, I believe that because it you know, it exuded from every pore in his body, you know, knowing that, you know, uh hearing people say that about his work work ethic and you know how he could, how prolific he but was it, you know, we say work ethic. I don't even think it was a work ethic. It was his passion. You know, yeah. I don't think he thought he was working. I don't it's not work when you love what you're doing. It's just not work. Right. So right. for me it to say you need a work ethic is no no. There's something different. This was a passion. Right. Right. And it was it was a it was a gift that he didn't really you know, it it's it's almost like, you know, I remember one thing that always struck me, one time he and I watched this movie called The Red Shoes and I think it, I don't know if it had Danny Kay, but as this dancer, she puts on the shoes and she wants to be a star and dance. She just wants to dance. So she puts the shoes on and she dances all over the valley, all over the streets. And anyway, she goes through her whole life. She's dancing. And not until she dies, they take the red shoes off of her because the dancing just, she couldn't do it anymore. So if there was anything that ran him, it was the music. It wasn't, I don't believe it was anything else. You know, people have spoken about addictions and all this other stuff and, I mean, it was no. The the thing was everything about waking up in the morning was about the music and serving that because that right. was like a communion with God, with a higher right. with the higher universe. Right. Can you imagine? That's like some people meditate. In fact, there are some people who can meditate, and if they go so high in their dimension of their meditation, they've died. They had died on the spot. And I do believe that he reached that level um, in his music where, you know, I think maybe he was already transforming before everyone's eyes. And there was maybe an agreement that he wasn't going to be here that long. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like, I mean, that's, that's a, I'm just saying things, Played out the way they played. Right, right. It's interesting because, yeah, you could tell he was spiritually, very spiritually attuned because you could, you could hear that, you could feel that in the music and and the things he said and how he said them. uh, I could, I could very much feel that he was, he was very spiritually attuned especially in the last few years. Um, and like you say, in that, that, you know, that aspect go, working in tandem with the fact that he was, a, he, he was taking on more of a mentor role is something yeah. really, 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 really special and really, really profound, I think. Yeah, he was like a little guru, you know. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. So how people 
see it, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I, you know, it wasn't the whole fervent sexual dude jumping out on stage anymore. It was a real calm. And I think people were really excited to see who this person was going to be over the next 20 or 30 years. People had said, oh, I saw him just in my mind jamming on guitar as an old man. But, right, you know, exactly. But that, well, that's the thing about Prince. He was never like that. You come to a party and then all of a sudden you go, where did he go? Oh, he left. So it's right. kind of like that's what this is. He came to the party and he cut out early. You know, right. when he had enough of something, he had enough. Right, right. I like and that. he was never, he was never the guy who we used to have this funny joke about. Um, I would <laughs> break into, have I stayed too long at the fair? The old Nancy Williams song, uh, Nancy Wilson song, um, about staying too long at the fair. It's an old right. term. We would just be like, mm, I think she stayed too long at the fair. So those kind of little funny uh, things okay. now I look back on and I go, well, he was not the guy who was going to be staying too long at the fair. I, we both grew up with parents who had those old little colloquial, those little sayings, you know, like, don't be common, um, don't, don't stay at the party till the very end. You know, your moms tell you that kind of stuff. He was really yeah. the same school of thought. I think it was just, those kind of things um, th- that were there. And it, was, it was played a big part. I, but like I said, I think he cut out early. Right. Right. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to call him. <laughs> so everybody keep calling on him. Um, that's the funniest thing, you know. He'd cut out and then he'd call you later or whatever. It's, so, it's very interesting, and those are just the ways to look at it and with humor. Uh, because otherwise I would be really sad because even though I wasn't like hanging and chilling with him over the years or whatever, there was a really interesting point the last couple of years where we were online um, communicating and, and uh, tiptoeing. And there was a, a, I could feel there was still a lot of uh, genuine uh, support and, and the structure, the infrastructure of who we really were as two human beings, I knew that that had never changed. You know, forgetting everything of the, of the minutia and the external problems we had business-wise, the infrastructure of our affection, respect, and all of that still remained. didn't mean you have to hang out with somebody all the time or kick it. We were in different places, but there was still that, bond, and that was never going to change. It, that, and that, for me, is karmic. That is, we fulfilled whatever our com- karmic duties were and responsibilities towards whatever we agreed to do before we came here, I feel. Right. Right. Wow. That's... Because when we saw each other, we slipped right back into the old, you know, shit, making fun of Apollonia and the girls when they went down on stage. It was the same things, you know, the same jokes not making fun seriously, but the same jokey patterns, um, him introducing me to some people, us kind of taking the piss out of each other, those kind of things, it was like putting on an old shoe again. It really was a shoe that fit. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing to think about. 
like the old saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same, you know? Yeah, we were just older. And I was yeah. fatter, and he was skinnier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank and you. I could see that with all the girls. When we were all together, there was a real power. There was a real source of uh, Shakti energy. And you see, that, that's the, the other thing. When we were young women with Vanity Six and all of us at the very beginning, and Apollonia and Sheila, and um, the presence that was there was the pure essence of Shakti empowerment and the, the female energy. And he was a part of that. He had that. He could embrace that energy. It was so right. incredible that in his youth, he got it. You know, um, even though, and he found a way to voice uh, the concerns of a generation of women through us as the vessels. You know, I've often I've said, well, we didn't write the songs. People are like, was he, were we, I've contemplated, were we exploiting, were we, were we contributing to the demise and the fall of humanity? And on, a, on another level, we weren't because we, we, I've come to terms with the fact that I think that we contributed to the questions of how civilizations survive and the metamorphosis that you go through with every different process. And I think that I've come and feel good about that. How it all ends up in the wash, I don't know, but I do know that we definitely in order for things to move forward, you, you have to go into these different waters. And I'm really happy that he and all of us were joined, uh, spiritually yoked. We were all yoked the same, you know. It's like to go through it and to be a part of it, everybody who participated, everybody. And that is something that, for me, is karmic because, the, because of the reach that he had his, even though we've all had our beats with each other in the groups and whatever, it would not be the same if one was there, one without the other. It had to be exactly played the way it was. Right. One person could not have been in it or removed from it without changing, you know, the whole butterfly effect, essentially. It had right. to go down because I feel that he was that, that this was touched by something great. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's, I feel that too. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not well, not not the same as you, obviously, being a being a pivotal part of it. But I mean, just as a fan, as an outside observer, I feel that sort of, you know like you say, karma and serendipity or however you want to, however you want mm-hmm. to use it, it's, it's, it's there. I, I totally feel what you're saying. And, it's, and, but, you know, and what set him apart from people who were entrepreneurial or, or trying to, you know, Puffy has gone on where he tried to create, a, he did have this familial thing happening, Motown, as well. Prince did too. But what's interesting in the 80s, it therefore did not always, it wasn't always familial. It didn't really feel the same. Like you could look at Babyface and LA, LA and Babyface and you could, it almost, that seemed almost factory-esque. 
I think when right. people raced about Prince's thing and that whole ladder stuff that came after Prince, I think up to that point there was an authenticity that people really believed was existed. And it did, essentially. It did. Um, I, I think that later it just started to, in the 80s, because of the success that he had, it created something in the industry that they said, hmm, this is a formula. We need to copy it. So I think that he, you know, George Clinton had it with Parliament. There was this familial thing with the parlette, with, you know, the girls. It's, you know, um, Rick James's thing didn't necessarily feel familial to me. It felt, you know, maybe he was trying, but, but the difference is I think Prince had this, amazing sense of um, it seemed genuine and the generosity of wanting everybody to be famous and, and do it together um, if that could possibly happen in a perfect world. Uh, right. And you felt that. And you also felt as a fan, damn it, I'm going to go to Paisley Park and I'm going to join up with these kids and I'm going to be a part of it too. See, that right. was so beautiful. And it still exists. It's like a caravan. And that was what's so cool, and I know that when he did have the whole thing about Paisley Park is in your heart, that is really kind of what that is. We spoke about that kind of stuff. You know, aside from all the dramas, there really was this really weird family involved in this. No, we weren't having dinners and stuff, but he was, the thing is, he was the family of it. But it wasn't like, you know, holidays and None of that. But I don't know. I don't even know how to term it. I just, other than for me saying it was karmic. Right. It just was karmic. Right. And that's, that's sort of spilled over into the fan community as well, because I know a lot of people in the fan community feel, feel bonded as well. And we feel like we're part of a family as well. So, and Prince created that. You know, that came, out of Prince, that came out of Prince's energy and Prince's generosity, like you say, and his, his spirit of giving and his, his willingness to, to share his talent and his gift. And it's the one us. family that he has that he yeah. really created that can thrive on such a beautiful right. level. It really right. was the most exactly. successful family he created, essentially. Right. You know. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, sure. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Sure. Uh, and please keep in touch. Whether I will. Facebook or Twitter, I I read your posts a lot, and uh, I get a lot out of them. So <laughs> nice, nice to see. So, uh, yeah, well, it was nice to talk about him today because, you know, I just, you know, I have my little political moments where I go and have, you know, go full steam. I think it's a great insight for people to, to see a little bit um, that, you know, I'm human uh, and I have, I, I think it, it makes it easier. If you know me a little bit, you'll walk away and go, oh, God, I know why he said, oh, girl, please go, leave, or whatever. You'll come up with your own reasons. So, you know, I haven't, people don't change all that much in, in life. Uh, we still have our same essences. 
but I, I feel that I'm really, really grateful to his community of fans because um, we have something really in common. And you may not like me, but the one thing is that we, we will not dispute that we all really love this guy. And um, he meant a lot to us. So on that, we can agree to disagree about some of the politics, but when it comes to him, we can all agree that we loved him and wanted the very best for him. And on that, I think that on the strength of that, that will keep us together more than apart. Right, exactly. Focus not on the red, not on the blue, but on the purple. Mm Mm-hmm. There you go. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.